today on the DML News app. Ron DeSantis jumps to his political death or he jumps to his political parachute for another life. We'll decide as time goes by, but either way, he's dropped out of the presidential race. Plus, Denny and Ryan discuss what happened at the World Economic Forum. So be ready, be set. Here we go. It's all unfiltered. Dennis Michael Lynch gives you his word, and he will never let you down. He will always fight for America. The only one who really puts his money where his mouth is is Dennis Michael Lynch. Hello, I'm Dennis Michael Lynch, and I thank you for joining me today. Before I turn it over to Denny and Ryan, well, I'm not surprised that it happened, not considering all the things that has happened with Ron DeSantis and his very, very hurt, riddled, sort of amateur-like campaign. I'm shocked by what Ron DeSantis and his team come away with, which is a drop out of the race before we even get to New Hampshire primary. The amount of money that was burned, well over $100 million, by DeSantis and his campaign leaves you wondering how it is that he can operate this state as efficiently and as effectively as he has. I am telling you, Regardless of how bad he ran his campaign for president, he remains the single best governor in the United States of America. He is the best governor I've had in my entire lifetime. Now, I will. I will say this about Ron DeSantis. He is a family man. He is a great father from what I can tell. He's a great husband from what I can see. Excuse me, I've been doing so much talking. My throat is so hoarse. He is spectacular on so many different levels. But in today's day and age, if you're not willing to punch a guy in the back, if you're not willing to lie about his life, if you're not willing to turn everything about that opponent of yours upside down, inside out, with the uh, with the only thing left undone is to put a bullet in his back. If you're not one of those people, you don't stand a chance. This is why Trump, in his political efforts, is so wildly brilliant. He doesn't play by the rules. He didn't show up for a single debate. By doing that, he belittled his opponent, saying, it's not even worth my time being on stage with these people. And that's not why it was. It was because if he went on stage and he was grilled about some of the things he did when he was president, like promoting uh, Fauci, like shutting down the country, like supporting a vaccine that so many conservatives absolutely hate, that has been proven to be not only ineffective and harmful, causing injury and death, but, you know, it was perpetuated by the Trump administration. He gets a pass. But because Ron DeSantis entered this race believing that a noble, good, family-centered, conservative-thinking, proven governor with a ton of class 
and a whole less a whole lot less charisma than results he never had a chance because nobody on his team not a single person on his team understood how to beat trump there's an old adage you must fight fire with fire and desantis didn't do that he tried to fight trump's fire with water but he wasn't even willing to spray the water on Trump's face. Instead, he just held the hose and hoped that Trump would put out the fire himself. And the only guy who got wet was DeSantis himself. It's a sad day in America when you see somebody who could have been the next Ronald Reagan actually have to tap out and move on before even getting to the primary in New Hampshire. But it's been pretty much determined that the folks of New Hampshire and the folks of South Carolina want Donald J. Trump. It has been determined that the majority of America, in terms of the people on the right, want Donald J. Trump. And it's very understandable. Denny and I have talked about this at length. We have talked about this in the sense that when you vote for somebody and you feel as if your vote was stolen, you can't see anything else. You can't see what a good governor looks like. You can't see what common sense looks like. You don't care what the polls say. You're all in because Trump is you and you are Trump. They stole from you. They stole from Trump. They punish Trump. They punish you. So make no mistake. This upcoming election is about revenge. People may deny it. Trump may deny it. But this is about revenge. At the very beginning, I came out very strong for Ron DeSantis. One of his top uh, people in his campaign reached out to me via Twitter because she had seen that I was showing some strong support for Ron DeSantis, the man. And not support for bashing on Trump, but Ron DeSantis, my governor. And she reached out to me, and I could see what she was doing. She was uh, starting to feel around to see whether I would be a surrogate, somebody who would go on TV, go on radio, go on podcasts, and talk up all the great things about DeSantis. I wasn't willing to do it. I wasn't doing willing to do it for a few reasons. Number one, although I would prefer DeSantis, I think he is the better politician. I think he is the better man. I think he is the better person to get us out of this crap. I still believe that Donald Trump was stolen from, and my vote for Trump was stolen. So there's a part of me where I let my emotion take over in a way that I usually never do. My emotional side of me wants to see Donald J. Trump back in that White House and every single leftist pay a deep price. And I want to see Ron DeSantis finish out what he started here in Florida, setting it up for the next governor. So this way we can have a state of freedom. You know, I, I, I say this with great hesitation because so many of you will misunderstand what I'm saying. But if Trump does lose to Joe Biden, which I suspect will probably be the case, the state of Florida will continue to continue on very strongly as we did for the first few years of Biden. Yes, we have felt the inflation. Yes, we have felt the illegal aliens. But there are so many other different promising things about the state of Florida and how Ron DeSantis has run it that those things don't feel as bad to us as it does to the rest of you. So if Trump does indeed lose and Biden gets another four years or Kamala Harris steps in or whatever, nothing short of a nuclear war 
we're going to be okay here in the state of Florida because Ron DeSantis is going to have two strong years and then somebody else is going to take over and be just as conservative as he and we'll continue to have our conservative legislature, or so we hope. The one thing I was a little surprised about, and Denny and I just talked about this last week, was how poorly uh, Donald Trump spoke about Ron DeSantis and his family. The lies he told, the desanctimonious, all the other different jazz. You know, when you take a look at it and you just say, wow, you know, you went way too far, Mr. Trump, way too far. But now that DeSantis has tapped out and endorsed Trump, suddenly Trump is a favor to Ron DeSantis. Said he's going to drop the name to Sanctimonious, as in all of a sudden Ron isn't Sanctimonious anymore. Wow. Amazing how that happens. And there are the people who will just march forward with their zombiness in, 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 in hand and just ignore the fact that it ever happened. Oh, what did Ron do that suddenly wasn't desanctimonious? He kissed the ring. That's the way it works. You can't build a party on that. And historians or podcasters like myself will be proven true in years to come, maybe decades to come, when we look back and say we missed a great opportunity for Ron DeSantis. Unless, and here comes the drum roll, Unless Ron DeSantis is chosen by Trump to be his vice president, that would be brilliance. So everybody who says that Trump plays 4D chess, he plays 4D chess. He strategizes when other people don't even know. Well, I'd love to see it proven true. I'd love to see that Donald J. Trump picks Ron DeSantis as his running mate, because if he did, it would be a layup of a victory. And if he did, we would have a operational vice president in the sense that he can get things done. He's not just some lame duck going over to Africa and coming home with a bow and arrow. He's actually going to do things. Is Trump that smart? Is Trump uh, about America as much as he says he is in the fact that he would pick the best governor of the, of the country? I don't know. Stay tuned. But it's going to be a very interesting ride nonetheless. So, yeah, Ron DeSantis will no longer be in the race. His folks will either do one of three things. They'll either jump onto the Trump train now or at some point. They'll either go with the never Trump um, crowd, which is Nikki Haley and the Democrats, or they just won't even vote at all. So that's why it's so important that Donald Trump not ignore Ron DeSantis and the potential he brings as a VP running mate. That's it for me. I'm going to pass it over now to Denny and Ryan, who are in the studio. I'm going to talk to you about what happened at the World Economic Forum. All right, boys, all yours. Uh, as you kind of maybe got from that intro, what we wanted to do today was talk about what happened last week over in Switzerland. Uh, and for that purpose, it's why if you're watching, you'll see that we have our standard background, which is the American flag. And you may be also able to tell by my attire that I'm a little more patriotically dressed than usual. 
the blue vest, and then I have uh, American imprints on my sleeves here. And they're actually over some swordfish, salmon, some crabs, seafood, which uh, we will actually be discussing later. So there was a reason for that today. Uh, but my reason for uh, trying to give a little more of a patriotic presentation is because, you know, with talking about the World Economic Forum, I believe they're probably the most anti-American institution to quite honestly exist for the last four decades or maybe five. I think Klaus Schwab founded in the 1970s. Uh, Speaking of Klaus Schwab, uh, I like to kind of consider, well, actually, this is how I like to frame the World Economic Forum in one sentence. The World Economic Forum is an over-the-top, budget-heavy gathering of pompous globalists and rich elitists where they suggest and promote absolutely asinine ideas to inconvenience normal people's everyday lives. Now, that's a bit lengthy, but I mean every, (laughs) every word in that sentence. Uh, just some background with the WEF. I think about like 1,000 to 2,000 members, uh, very ambiguous funding, very ambiguous financial disclosures. No one is elected to this forum. It's basically Klaus Schwab's choosing. And if you're not familiar with Klaus Schwab, uh, he's an economist, a German economist. Uh, Some people find him to be hand in hand with George Soros in the fact that a lot of his ideas just basically are counterintuitive to uh, saving the world, in my opinion, and most people's opinion. And truthfully, the WEF really is nothing more than, like I said, these people coming together saying, well, we're all doing wrong, and yet they get to just reap the fruits of the labor. Uh, truthfully, I think the WEF should be renamed as Waste of Energy and Freedom, because like I said, it's as anti-American as it gets. I don't think there's any other video to truly emphasize how ridiculous this event is. Again, they all go to Davos, which is a small ski resort town. Uh, It's mostly dormant for uh, 90% of the year, and then it's this one week where they all fly in. But nothing encapsulated better than this one video, and I know we usually describe it before playing, but I think we should just play it first before uh, we actually describe what this is, because I don't know how anyone else could justify that this was something normal to have at a forum. Ryan, can you play the first clip? Yeah, um, I don't know what that's about, but if you were watching, and unfortunately if you had to hear that, yes, that is a minute of your life that you'll never get back. Uh, From what I can tell, it's a Native American woman who decided that after years of rich experts telling us that COVID was going to be the end of humanity, uh, she decided that her tradition involving getting into everyone's face and coughing on them uh, was definitely the most appropriate thing to do before an audience Ryan, uh, after watching that very, um, I guess you could say, uh, deafening and mind-numbing video, uh, what is your take on that? Honestly, I, I don't have a take on it. I mean, what's the? Do you know the backstory behind whatever that looks more like satanic ritual was? <laughs> I, I truthfully, 
there was just a part of me that just said, I have no reason to look into this. I bet none of them there know what it was about, but in the name of DEI and trying to seem like they're better than everyone else, uh, that was a real thing that happened at a uh, legit forum with the world's most powerful people. And then another thing I think about is, uh, isn't that against COVID and being, you know, six feet apart, going up to going up to people and just coughing and blowing in their face while like chanting nonsense. I mean, you know, if you did that in the grocery store, you could, you'd probably get arrested for, I mean, two years ago, you'd probably get arrested for uh, endangering the uh, populace or, you know, they'll stand on stage and, just because it looks good for the cameras, I bet you each person sitting there in that chair was just like, "What the? Oh, you know, it, it, like, it, what it, is again? This? The, the hypocrisy there is insane." To your point, um, we were told for years, masks six feet apart, don't go near each other. You can't visit here. You can't go there. And yet, because this woman wears a Native American headdress. She decides to yodel and basically cough into everyone's face about half an inch from their actual mouths. Uh, again, I don't know a better video to start with than to showcase how much of a joke I actually think this entire event is. Uh, you know, Klaus Schwab thinks it's some transformative, uh, new wave, new world order way of governing the world. And yet, I, I, it is just shocking to me that the amount of money and resources that are wasted on this thing just for them to have these mindless conversations is, is even relevant to what you or I or any normal person has to deal with on a daily basis. And I don't even want to waste more time on this lady because another absurd video, uh, we actually we reported this last week, um, but this was in the middle of the WEF forum or the, the World Economic Forum uh, where this activist describes ecocide which in her opinion is the equivalent of genocide, but to the nature and environment and the actions that contribute that according to her fishing and farming and not overfishing because there is such a thing as overfishing. It's kind of like when you're hunting for deer off season, you're not supposed to, she's not talking about overfishing. She's talking about the concept and the human evolution and history of how fishing and farming has supplied uh, humanity since, again, since we could start walking as a basic species. So Ryan's going to play that clip for you. I mean, ecocide as a word is becoming more, it's becoming better known around the world. And the concept is generally mass damage and destruction of nature. Um, but legally speaking, um, what our organization and other collaborators aim to do is to have this recognized legally as a serious crime. Because one of the issues that sort of pervades all of this discussion is that we have a kind of cultural, very ingrained habit of not taking damage to nature as seriously as we take damage to people and property. Um, and that, I mean, you know, if you're campaigning for human rights, at least you know mass murder, torture, all of these things are serious crimes. But there's no equivalent in the environmental space. Um, and so, and, and you know, unlike a, an international crime like genocide that in, involves a specific intent, with ecocide, what we see is actually what people are trying to do, what businesses are trying to do is make money, is, you know, is farm, is fish, is do all of these things that are... Um, you know, producing energy and so on um, as well. But what's, it, what's missing is the awareness and the conscience around the side effects, around the collateral damage that happens with that. Again, let's highlight some great hypocrisy here. 
she's telling us that we need to find alternatives to doing our own crops, fishing for our own food, and basically essentials to you know compensate our way of life. And again, these are tactics, by the way, that we have been doing for centuries, and yet Earth is still standing here pretty just fine. At the WEF, though, you know, they have no problem with fishing over there because here is a list of the foods from some of these multi-million dollar catering companies that they have fly in. Shrimp cocktail, uh, shrimp dishes, salmon, lobster, cheese fondues, Swiss chocolates, green pea parmesan souffle, guinea fowl supreme, which is just a fancy word for chicken, braised asparagus with herb cream, eggplant, and white rice, no steak on there, but you can bet that probably at their more private events where they don't have the cameras and, and journalists around there, there's definitely some prime steak and, and prime beef going around there. But that is just a glimpse, because again, this is a six-day event, a glimpse of the different foods that these guys all get to eat, but when it comes to us, we're not supposed to eat them. Now, Ryan, uh, we're all aware you're a very extraordinary chef and have some um, great promise in probably establishing a culinary career at some point. Uh, what's your take on the WEF kind of promoting that fishing, farming, and just eating normal foods is not the way to go, and probably their promotion of bug protein is the way to go? I think it just ties back to their whole overpopulation, uh, which keep the earth at 500 million people. I mean, she'll sit there and bash the West for, you know, over-farming, and all this nonsense, which just isn't true. But, you know, they won't say anything about bricks. You know, Brazil just mowing, mowing down the biggest rainforest in the world. You got Russia. They don't care about air pollution. You got China. Every city's smogging. And, you know, I'm sure Iran's up to some some naughty stuff. So, <laughs> I mean, when you look at it, it's like she's going to sit there and, you know, poop on the West to, you know, I don't believe that we should be doing all these equal environmental things it's just nonsense but i mean we are the best at doing it and then she'll sit there and create these terms and bash bash us when in reality it's the communist nations and the BRICS that are not you know caring at all and they're doing what they want to do china's just dumping garbage in the ocean nonstop. If, so it's just so hypocritical that they'll sit there and bash, you know, Europe and America when re in reality the people that are really polluting the damn planet are our enemies. Right. And I was going to say, because you're also a history buff, even the concept farming and fishing has been around for thousands of years. And yet this woman is trying to term it as something that it's a ecocide, meaning we doing these practices are somehow killing the earth. Yeah. E Farming is an ecocide. Um, destroying an entire rainforest is ecocide for wood. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's nonsense. I think it's stupid. I think she's stupid. I think the only reason why she has a platform is because that's what everyone at the WEF wants. Um, you know, the next thing we know, we're going to find that term in the dictionary if it's not already in there. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, I think everyone who listens to the show and I think any any rational thinking American, you know, looks at that and just writes it off. Well, I could tell you one American that's not rational whatsoever. And that is just John Kerry, uh, the failed Democrat candidate, because that's what he was in 2004, goes to uh, Davos, Davos every single year. Um, he is part of the problem in the 
biggest uh, in the biggest way possible. This man, for his entire career, he's Biden's official climate czar, whatever that official title is, emissary. Uh, but he has been for years talking about how we are bad for the planet. Uh, climate change is very real. And his biggest one, and this goes to the theme of hypocrisy, is that by us flying, we are killing the air and leaving a terrible carbon footprint. Well, uh, since the start of Biden's presidency, Kerry and his family on their private jet have put out more than 300 metric tons of carbon footprint from their private jet use. If you need a little bit of a measurement uh, equation there, that is over 700,000 pounds of carbon output. But where the problem? In fact, he was kind of uh, addressed about it. Uh, I'm not going to play any of his speeches at the WEF because it's a waste of time. But we do have a good video here of a reporter from Rebel News, which, you know, kudos to those guys because they put themselves out there in these kind of situations all the time and have to deal with consequences because of it. But we have a WEF, uh, I'm sorry, a Rebel News reporter at WEF who confronts Kerry and Ryan's going to play that clip for you. What's the carbon footprint of these events every single year that you come here? You think it's worth it? Peasants pay for your crimes? That's a stupid question. Is it, a, is it really? Is it, is, it, is it more stupid than you traveling here to tell us? Please, I'm, sorry? We're done. We're done. We are done now. You don't grab me. You can't grab us. This is a free society, mate. This is, we have freedom of the press. Why do you think you're more important? Your carbon footprint doesn't matter, but everybody else around the world suggested that. Nobody ever suggested that. Don't make up stupid questions. You, you being here suggests that. A stupid question. You being here every single year and doing this suggests that. And and I have done a huge amount. Listen now. Finished, Why can't I ask him questions? Please. Who are you? Why are you trying to bully me out of us? So please. That, that does it. A lot of people say no to a lot of the policies and agendas he pushes. They don't get a choice. So why can't we ask him a question in a public space? Can you not touch me? Can you not touch me? So, Ryan, I want to just give you some lay down here. Uh, private jet emissions quadrupled during Davos in 2022. So I can only imagine how uh, this year had gone. Uh, an estimate of around over a thousand planes, 1,040 to be exact, uh, traveled to uh, Davos in that year, emitting as much as 350,000 carbon output. I'm sorry, let me read that again. Emitting as much CO2 as 350,000 average cars over that one-week period. Uh, Yeah. Their CO2 emissions from those private jets were four times greater than in any average week when it comes to air travel as well. This kind of goes to what you had just said a few minutes ago. These are people who will tell us flying bad, private jet use bad, doing anything you know with driving and not carpooling bad. And yet you have someone like John Kerry for years being a DC elite who just flies everywhere, not you know giving a damn about his message not actually coinciding with his actions. Yeah, I mean, if they really cared about the environment, they would hop on sailboats sail with the wind and then i don't think they, they wouldn't even ride horses because i'm sure the horses produce methane so they can just you know walk or take their bicycle and go to davos but no instead you know they'll uh be hypocritical 
you know, we're the bad people, but, oh, I get to fly my jet wherever I want to go and it, pollute, you know, whatever the multiplication is of an average person. Exactly. It, it, it's, again, hypocrisy, unreal, but just another, <laughs> just another example of how someone like John Kerry, you, you wonder how he has lasted so long in D.C. because, I mean, he's insanely unpopular and even in that video, you know, he's blowing the guy off because he just thinks his question's stupid. But it's a legitimate question because when do we get the chance to ask him that? He doesn't talk to normal people. He goes to freaking WEF and talks to the same like-minded people who all believe we're the ones doing everything wrong and they're the ones with the grand solutions. Um, it's honestly just another kind of example, too, that the people that go to these events, specifically WEF, you know, they're not the UN. They're not voting on anything. They're just talking at these fancy dinners of how do we change the world into our new world order establishment with our vision, not realizing that the consequences of those are going to impact all of us. Uh, We had another video that I just didn't think was worthy of playing, but Krishia Freeland from Canada uh, talk about someone who wants to control your life to every degree talks about how she wants to fundamentally change Can- uh, Canadian manufacturing, even if it's at you know the expense of her people. You know It's so important to go the green solution, but even if that impacts thousands and thousands and maybe um, millions of our citizens, it doesn't matter because ideology. One person, though, who I think made a very good presence at the WEF, and I think... Uh, his invite will probably not be extended next year, is Javier Malay. Now, Javier Malay was the recently elected president of Argentina. We've talked to him, uh, talked about him a little bit on this show before, and he is, by all means, a populist, a conservative. Uh, he wants to get Argentina back to its golden age. I think a lot of people don't realize how successful that country was over 100 years ago before inflation rocked that country because of collectivist policies. But uh, he, took to the, he took to the stage at Davos, and obviously he is fluent in Spanish. He speaks fluent Spanish, but um, you know, part of these forms is to translate when it's a foreign speaker. And uh, luckily, I found this video of his speech where it's an AI translation, and it's so much better because it kind of correlates with his accent, whereas the original video, it's this robot man voice that's very hard to follow, and... I almost wonder if Klaus Schwab kind of did it purposely to kind of kill the message. But we're going to play for you two minutes here of his speech where he calls out to all of their faces, their hypocrisies that we've mentioned, how their agenda is actually destroying the West and is just anti-West in in itself, and just kind of talks about how nobody believes in this crap and that nobody believes in them, that they're the ones who are going to save the world. Again, no one elected these people. This is just Klaus Schwab's little wet dream fantasy of choosing different people who are going to follow his message. It's, it's you know, the man's evil in my opinion, meaning Klaus Schwab. But here's Javier Malay after he was introduced by Klaus Schwab, which I think is, is so funny, uh, basically just giving, giving it to them straight. Good afternoon. Thank you very much. Today, I am present to inform you that the Western world is facing a significant threat. It is in danger because those who are supposed to defend the values of the Western world are co-opted by a worldview that inevitably leads to socialism and consequently 
to poverty and economic deprivation. Unfortunately, in recent decades, motivated by some well-intentioned desires to help others and others by the desire to belong to a privileged caste, the main leaders of the Western world have abandoned the model of freedom for different versions of what we call collectivism. We are here to tell you that collectivist experiments are never the solution to the problems that afflict the citizens of the world, but rather they are their cause. Trust me, there is no one better than us Argentines to provide testimony on these two issues. When we embraced freedom in 1860, in 35 years we became the world's first dominant power. 35 years we became the first world power. While when we embraced collectivism over the past 100 years, we saw how our citizens began to systematically impoverish themselves until they fell to the 140th position in the world, 40 in the world. But before we can have this discussion, it would be important for us to first look at the data that supports why free market capitalism is not only a possible system to end world poverty, but also the only morally desirable system to achieve it. Ryan, uh, I know you're a Javier Malay fan. What was uh, your take on that very riveting opening there? Uh, I think he he went there, and during that, you know, two, he he was talking for a while. I mean, we only showed two minutes of it, but um, I think it was a big fu to everyone that attended the WEF. And I agree with him full heartedly that they are the issue, and that you know. I feel like they do see it. I feel like those people in the in the audience do know what they're doing. And he's just plainly just calling them out saying like you're the problem. Like you're the reason why the west is falling. Like socialism like he's and, he, and he's, it's perfect for him like to come from him cuz he's an Argentinian. Mm-hmm. And they were a first world country and like a top world power back, you know, 100 years ago. And then that's, I guess that's what happens when a country gets so powerful, it starts slipping to socialism, and then look what happens. Now they're a, what do you say, a ranked 140th, right? Yeah, they, they have, yeah. I think, between a 190 to 200% inflation rate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's been, since he got in there, I mean, I think he's been there two months now, um, he's been chopping a lot of that excess federal uh, agency. Oh, that, that, video, um, that video of him on the board, what was he saying? Like, uh... He's grabbing. He, the, he was grabbing different departments and ripping them down. Like there was one for like what, uh, what's the education. Word for it? Yeah. What, what, what's the word? Oh, I don't. I don't uh, know. I know you're good at Spanish. What, what was oh, it? I, yeah, he was. Uh, he was flinging them and saying a fuela. What equality? Something. I think one was like education. education. Yeah. And the whole thing is all like the when, DEI ones. Yeah. yeah it's just the, the state destroys. Yes. You know, you got to let private industry paved the way for the future and you know the wef doesn't want that because they want control yes yeah javier is consolidating that government so that it the 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 control it's opposite literally truthfully to uh you know what i was saying about that christian freeland woman who in in her speech talks about literally the government needs to take control javier is opposite of that he is libertarian to the highest degree and that video is great you know just slashing all the excess BS departments that are not needed. So my hope is, you know, I, I don't really know uh, how the election system works in Argentina, in Argentina in terms of their year span, but 
uh, forever or for however long he's in there, I'm hoping he gets some real good progress done in Argentina. Who knows? Maybe their golden days are coming up. But, you know, his speech was great, too, because it is a great way to defeat the whole uh, holier-than-thou atmosphere that all those elitists have. For example, uh, Davos is actually a prime spot, specifically during WEF week, for prostitution. Because in Switzerland, it is actually legal and permitted. In fact, between uh, the 2021 and 2022 events of of WEF, uh, more than 100 prostitutes flew in. And they charge up to about $2,500 a night if you're looking for a prime prostitute. Just a note, most of these people show up without their spouse because it's a members-only thing. So you can imagine that you know while they're telling us that we're living our lives falsely and incorrectly and need to shape it up, uh, these people get to eat fancy dinners, fly in on private jets, and uh, you know basically sleep with a bunch of European prostitutes um, for, for them cost probably about a, a dime's worth. Any uh, input there, Ryan, on um, how Davos is pretty much prostitute capital during that week? Uh, I mean, I'm not surprised. Uh, look at the people that attend and uh, look at the list. That's all I'm going to say. Look at the list. Well, You know I, what I mean by that. I know exactly what you mean. It's always look at the list. I wish we could end on Javier Malay, but there was one person that was at that um, WEF um, in Davos last week that unfortunately is an American, but I don't find him to be very representative of America, and that is former Speaker Paul Ryan. Now, why he was there, your guess is as good as mine, probably because uh, he likes to be an appeasement to globalists, but... Uh, he was on, I think this is an MSNBC clip. I could be wrong, Ryan. I'm not too sure, but he was on, he was on a, uh, a news station and they were asking about the upcoming, uh, primary in New Hampshire, which starts tomorrow, uh, for voting. And this is what he had to say. Look, a lot's going to happen between now and November. Nothing's linear in politics these days. There's a zigzag. So who knows is the point. Biden is so weak that even Donald Trump pulls up ahead of him. But look at Nikki Haley's polling. I mean, she beats him by like 12 points in head-to-head polls. So right. I would prefer a, a candidate who I think would be a good president and who I know is going to win. And by the way, give us more seats in Congress. That's Nikki Haley. Well, the, it, So it, obviously, I, my preferences aren't, aren't, aren't bubbling through the Republican Party right now. But let's just wait and see what happens in New Hampshire and see if this inevitability narrative which has credence now coming out of Iowa, if it, if it sticks past New Hampshire. And if Nikki Haley wins New Hampshire, then I think we got a race on our hands. So I want to wait and see what happens there. Well, you made a lot- Yeah, right. So obviously, Paul Ryan here is painting the picture. If we're, if we're going to maybe shift gears here from WEF to you know, coming back domestically and looking at what's going on in the U.S., uh, it's not too surprising to me that Paul Ryan is going full Nikki Haley here. Uh, he was the former speaker during Trump's years, and as I'm sure many of you know, um, that relationship became quite tumultuous, and still is. So I am not surprised by all that, or at all that he is jumping on board with Haley, who probably at some point is going to attend uh, in the future one of these WEF events. Uh, Brian, what, what's your take on Paul Ryan here going all in on the Nikki Haley train? I mean, I'm not too shocked about it. Nikki Haley is basically a donor candidate and ran, ran or 
Rand Paul. Um, Rand Paul is, he loves the donor class. He loves having his sticky, slimy rhino fingers all over the money that comes from these big time donors. And he loves to just, and I think he's a very corrupt human being, use politics to further himself. He could care less about this country. Um, and, you know, that's, that's, that's what he's going to do. He's going to go and support Haley, even though his word doesn't mean anything. Um, and he's just going to be, uh, you know, a talking piece for Nikki Haley. That's a great way to put it, Ryan. He is going to be a big talking piece because one thing that Paul Ryan has kind of become the face of, I wouldn't even say Chris Christie because Chris Christie just kind of, you know, goes and just yells about Trump. But Paul Ryan is uh, almost more nefarious with his actions where if, I mean, let's be honest, Paul Ryan was probably behind Chris Christie's push. Uh, I can tell you that Paul Ryan would actually probably want Biden to be president before Trump does. He does not want Trump by any means. So, and and this this is Paul Ryan, by the way, that is no longer in our government, and yet he still has major influence on how the GOP is being run. Uh, I think he's everything that's wrong with the GOP. He had no shot with Romney winning in 2012, and yet he has still become a presence that none of us can escape. Uh, And here he is in, you know, Davos doing what? Again, who knows, other than probably to quell some of their fears about Trump winning the election, because one of the main themes at WEF, apparently, is that a lot of these world elitists are worried about Trump getting a second term, because as we know, uh, Trump doesn't abide or obey to any of these people. Nikki Haley, by all means, I mean, UN ambassador, she's probably got plenty of connections with all those guys. But these people do fear Trump, without a doubt. The fact that he was a conversation point at an event where he's not even present says it all. And look, you know, Trump Trump had uh, some praise for the WEF when he had gone during his presidency, so I'm not a big fan of that. But I'm sure by now, knowing that what these kind of uh, deep state correlated elitists are up to, I'm sure he is not going to be attending any of those events anytime soon, even if he does become president. At least that's my hope there. Uh, but look, uh, tomorrow, you know, will will be our Tuesday show. And then obviously, uh, Tuesday night is when those results will start coming in um, from New Hampshire. As everything's looking right now, Trump is still leading by a pretty fair margin. Uh, but I don't I don't foresee a win here in New Hampshire uh, for Nikki Haley. Uh, Rye, do you follow or share similar sentiment or? What are your yeah, thoughts? I, I think Haley will get second. Trump will get uh, the first. I mean, New Hampshire is more of a independent middle of the ground. So right. I have Trump's still going to win, yeah. I think, in New Hampshire. Yeah. I, I think at this point, even with the votes not counting in, we're kind of seeing how it's going. I think what's going to be more exciting is South Carolina. I would love to see Nikki Haley lose her own, her own home state. Uh, I think that'll just speak volumes. But... We will definitely be doing a podcast uh, later this week about it. But, you know, Ryan and I just felt that for Monday's show today, uh, we just wanted to do a general recap of all the hypocritical madness that's going over in or that was going over in in Davos. Uh, And I'm sure, you know, 2024 uh, Davos, hopefully we have Trump or a Republican as president. And even if he were to go, I would hope that he's going to pull a Javier Malay moment and just tell them how wrong they are to all their faces. Uh, But before we go into tomorrow's show, 
Uh, just a reminder that over the weekend, the third episode of The Whining Clip premiered. So definitely check that out. Uh, a lot We've been getting a lot of uh, messages asking questions about The Whining Clip, and it's become a very uh, popular purchase, actually, by Team DML members. So if you're interested in that, you definitely got to go to Team DML or the DML News app and check out the deals that we got going on with The Whining Clip uh, this weekend. Uh, DML also premiered his uh, Future Ready interview with uh, Jovan uh, Pulitzer, who gives fantastic insight, obviously, about the DeSantis-Trump feud and the upcoming upcoming primaries and what we can expect with that. It's a pretty lengthy interview, but definitely worth your time in terms of uh, listening to it and seeing what's going on. Check out those shows if you didn't get to see them this weekend. They are both great interview and great commentary by DML. And definitely uh, my mom, Miss Mary, our mom, Miss Mary, she uh, she tells a great story if you if you haven't heard the podcast yet. So you've got to listen to it. So you know, thank you guys for tuning in. But God bless our troops. God bless all of you guys. And we will see you tomorrow. Thank you. Get the Dennis Michael Lynch podcast every day by subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And download the DML News app from the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store for breaking news, merchandise, films, exclusive content, and Team DML.